you glad? You should be glad. <laughs> Aren't you glad? You're breathing. We're sitting here. We're gathered here. Again, whether it's here in this building or whether it's virtually together electronically over the airwaves. The word says that, you know, if the people refuse to praise me, the rocks and the stones will cry out. There's praise and worship going forth, you know, like everything, all the technology that was necessary to bring forth the worship and praise tonight is all made up of minerals, all made up of, of precious elements, stones, rocks. Think about that for a minute. Remember what that was one of the, one of the things that back I remember when I was in Bible school and Pastor Jerry Kendrick used used to say that he said if you won't sing out he said the CDs and the cassettes and the tapes will but he said you have the choice to be the vessel of praise and the vessel of worship we have lots to be thankful for we have lots of opportunities we have lots of opportunities to be frustrated, to be depressed, Amen. to be discouraged, to be aggravated, to be annoyed, right? I encourage you, don't take them. Take the opportunity to rejoice and to praise our most high God. I don't know where this is going to go tonight. It's already taken a different turn for me. So I'm glad of this, that... that uh, I think I needed to make the fawn bigger. <laughs> Romans 8.12 says, So now is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. So if you're feeling, you know, we live, we live in a world where there are all kinds of pressures put on us. Some are self-imposed, but we've all heard the term peer pressure right? There's societal pressure where we feel compelled or almost forced to comply, to conform. But the word tells us that we're not to be conformed to this world, right? We're to be transformed, right? We should actually be a transforming agent delivering that transformational gospel. We spend... So much of our culture is, is designed to bring about conformity and in its own, I'm going to say distorted way, acceptance. Because there's a difference between loving somebody, right, and agreeing with somebody, right? And just because we don't agree, it doesn't mean we have to be disagreeable. It doesn't mean that we have to be hateful. It doesn't mean that we need to be judgmental. What we need to be is ambassadors of love. We live in a, in a culture, I can't speak for other parts of the world, although I suspect that much of it is going the same way and we might actually be catching up to other parts of the world. But there is a, a distorted or twisted truth, or what is perceived or taught as truth. So I'm going to re reference John 14, 6 in the Bible, where, where Pilate is saying, what is truth? 
Jesus says in 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So that means there is no other acceptable way. That doesn't mean that you cannot be accepted. It means there is no other acceptable way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. There's so much opportunity for opinion to jump out here, so I'm going to try and stick to the Scripture. (laughs) I'm safe with the Scripture. If you don't like the Scripture, you got to take it up with the author, not with me. I'm just a messenger. (laughs) Right. So if we look at uh, this one, we'll be in King James and that. 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And now for some contrast and just a slightly different flavor, same verses in the New Living. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Isn't that good news? So if you don't know what to do, read the word, (laughs) because it'll tell us. Some of this will revert back to probably excerpts of other messages that I've said. You know, I used to consider my, well, I I still do. I consider myself a, a quick learner. Obviously only in some things. Some things take me a lot longer to accept and adapt and adopt, right? Learning who I am in Christ was relatively easy. Believing in who I am in Christ is a different process altogether. It's one thing to have an intellectual understanding or or acknowledgement of it. It's another thing to walk in the truth of it. So, again, we'll probably jump around a little bit here because, like I said, I'm already off the notes. I got lots of scripture, but we'll 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 follow the follow the leading, Lord. May the word go forth that you need gone forth tonight. That I would be the messenger. That there would be clarity of purpose, clarity of vision, clarity of teaching. And that your word goes forth and changes the hearts of those that receive it. So what gives you greater pleasure? Doing something you want to do because you want to do it? Or doing something because of duty, obligation, or requirement? Not a trick question, right? What gives you the greater pleasure? Don't you love to be able to do something spontaneously, thank you, (laughs) spontaneously to be able to bless someone, right? Spur of the moment, led by the Spirit, without reservation, without hesitation, as opposed to having to do something or feeling obliged to do something 
for whatever reason. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. See, we have the opportunity when we take on those opportunities I told you about before, you know, the opportunity to be frustrated or agitated or discouraged or depressed or whatever, we, we can take that on and allow it to, uh, later in my notes, I think I used the word funk. We, we get into a funk, and I don't mean the groovy, rhythmic kind of funk. I'm talking about that rut that, you know, everything is turned inward or downward. The moment that we're feeling those pressures, whether it's low mood, you know, depression, whether it's, whether it's um, you know, feeling that, that, that uh, sense of inadequacy, We're always trying to, you know, we've heard the expression, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Right? Forget the Joneses, right? But, but, but there's, there's that, that, that understood or, or kind of underlying theme that, that unless we're doing what they're doing, or unless we have what they have, or unless we're doing it the way they did it, or unless we have 200 people, or unless we have a four acre property, or unless we have the pool in the backyard, or we drive the Lexus, or we drive whatever, then we're not good enough, or we're not doing it right, or we haven't met the standard. Who's standard? Who, who set that standard? The enemy has done an excellent job of putting everybody on a treadmill and turning it up to max, hoping that they're going to come flying off. And many do. It's such an easy pitfall. And a, a, a little tidbit of, of revelation that the Lord dropped into me is that when you're feeling that way, you're looking in the wrong place. Because if we're not looking to him, we're not looking in the right place. Period. It doesn't matter if we're looking inward. Because there's nothing in us that's good. Right? In us, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So you can look inward. You might not like what you see. Because we're an unfinished work. The work is finished, but we are an unfinished work. Here's something that's going to rock. If it, if, it, if it hits you like it hit me, it'll rock your world. Did you know, it, catch the wording of this, it's a little tricky phrasing, but did you know that it may be up to you, but it is not dependent on you? Your healing is not dependent on you. Your salvation it's not dependent on you. Your righteousness, not dependent on you. The only part that we have to play is the acceptance of the work that has been done. Now, you've heard me say this before, and some of you are tired of hearing me saying it, but here I am in front of the microphone, so you have to put up with me. 
I grew up having to think or thinking that everything was performance related. In other words, a reward would not come unless I earned it, right? Good would not come unless I did good. And if I did bad or I performed poorly, the result was detrimental or was not good or was punishment. That was the world that I grew up in. Further to aggravate that is when I was early in the church, some of that was even in the church. I remember early, early on in, in my relationship with the Lord and early on in the relationship with the church, where Annette and I really felt that it was time for us to, to leave the, the particular uh, church that we were going to and the location it was in to get something, to go to something that was closer to where we lived and the community that we lived and a, a different style of teaching, right? M virtually moments after having made that decision, I ended up in hospital. I ended up with a severe asthma attack, which praise the Lord, since 2003, I've been delivered from, by the way, but, but that, that's another message altogether and another testimony. Back to the story, I ended up in hospital after leaving that other church. And one of the, at that point, it was a deacon in the, in the church, and he happened to be our cell group leader, right? Said to me, John, are you sure you're in the will of God? What did that do to me? Well, I can tell you what it did to me. It crystallized that same kind of performance-based teaching, which I want to tell you loud and clear with every ounce of, of clarity of speech that I can say that is absolutely and totally false. God does not punish us for making mistakes. Now make no mistake that there is consequences for every action, there is a consequence. Sometimes we are benefactors of our own stupidity, but God is full of grace and mercy. There is no condemnation. So when we make a mistake or we miss it, when was the last time you made a mistake intentionally? Right? We don't call them intentionals. We call them accidentals. Right? You don't have an intentional incident. You know, if you're in an automotive accident, right? It's not called an automotive intentional. Right? It is an accident. Sometimes things happen, both good and bad. You know, we have happy faith accidents sometimes too, right? But we do sometimes fall. We, 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 have, we have, you know, a path that we travel. And the last time I checked, very few paths are smooth and clear. Like, they're not like glass. There are humps. There are bumps. There are curves. There are hurdles. Overhang. <laughs> there are overhangs. <laughs> Low-hanging branches. Right? So there are, there, are, there are things that can hang us up, right? But, you know, if you're driving down the road 
and you get a flat tire, it doesn't mean the journey's over. It just means you need to fix a tire or change a tire or both or no car, right? Some people get from point A to point B and never have a problem. Bless them, Lord. He already has, obviously. From point A to point B with no uh, obstacles, no hindrances. I don't know many people that have that. You know, I've had lots of cars in my life, and there were times when we've had cars, we used to call them lemons, where it didn't seem to matter what you did to it, there was always something else you had to do to it. Right? Every time you turned the key, you could count on the fact that there was something that was going to happen between the time you left and the time you got back. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. She said, it sounds like a dodge, just for those of you that might not have heard. <laughs> it didn't say Jeep, it said Jeep. Uh, my, you know, I just had uh, the, work, the work truck that, that, that I had um, have the privilege of driving, because it means I don't have to use my own vehicle, right? Um, it turned out had a had a bad drive shaft. I knew there was something wrong with it, didn't know what it was. All I knew is it felt like I was driving a helicopter. Like it, it made a lot of noise and it was really rough. And of course I have, I'm blessed with a son who is a mechanic and I told him about it and he said, it doesn't sound like that, but he said, we should check it out. So we went out and actually checked out this, this drive shaft and lo and behold, he said, yeah, that's not right. He said, you know, it really should be replaced. I said, great, you know. It's not my truck, but I still treat it as if it's my own. I try to save the, the boss's pennies as much as I would my own. And, uh, you know, Honda and all their beloved wisdom want to charge like $2,800 for it. That's just for the parts. <laughs> it's like, ah, hallelujah, right? There's got to be another option. Anyway, managed to find, find one, got a secondhand one, long story short, new drive shaft in. Well, a previously used drive shaft is now on, on the truck like driving a different vehicle. Even notice in a week, they even notice the difference in the mileage. You see, so it, there are times when we need to do things, we need to take some create, create corrective measures or corrective action. You know, you don't drive on a flat tire, although some cars now you can, because they have the run flat tires, but it's not recommended. You know, they, they make them round <laughs> and filled with air for a reason. So I got off on a trail there, but the, the key is that the only part that we have to play in our healing, our salvation, and righteousness is acknowledgement and acceptance of the finished work of Jesus. And again, sometimes I, 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 hear, I hear in my own head the, the religious gasp as we <gasps> suck the air out of the space we're in. How could I say such a thing, you know? It's what the Word says, exactly. It, actually, it, it's not heresy to say that. It's heresy to say anything else. Because anything else means that you have to add to the work that Jesus has done. We don't have to add anything. It is finished. You wouldn't go to a master's uh, work of art, like the Mona Lisa or, or whatever, and say, oh, it just needs a little stroke right here. You're not qualified to make that decision, right? And I know in, in, you know, 
praise God, I do not have the power of God in my current form. Because if I had the ability to call down fire from heaven, and it happened every time I did it, without divine, there'd be a lot of crispy critters. <laughs> right? How many times do we get to the point where, where we just <laughs> exasperated, you know? And, and what, what, the, 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 what the Lord is showing me is it's me looking at the people through my eyes, not his. If we, had, if we truly look at everybody that, that aggravates us or frustrates us or just downright baffles us with their <laughs> incredible lack of smart, we see it through God's eyes. Just think for a minute, if you, if you just stand back and as frustrated as you are with some of the people around you, how God must feel sometimes looking at us. He loves us so much and he can look past that because he sees the end from the beginning. And it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the transition. We're going from where we were to be with him. And along the way, sometimes the trips are long. Some people live a very, very long life. And we should. Our length of days should be full. But there are things that happen in this life that, you know, a lot of people get taken early. See, if we could do the work, Jesus wouldn't have had to do it. He wouldn't have needed to die. If our obedience to the law was enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and fulfill it. If our righteousness was enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to shed his blood. He wouldn't have had to endure the stripes and the scourging and the thorns and the crucifixion. He wouldn't have had to have died and endured hell in the grave. Because if we could have done it, or what we could do would be acceptable, it would have been enough. It's not. See, it's not the world, the corporate system works in this whole, you know, uh, uh, trades and balances, conditions of ifs and thens. You know, if you do well, you perform well in your job, you get raises, you get promoted, right? If you don't do well in your job, you either don't get raises, don't get promoted, or don't keep a job, <laughs> right? This is not the way God works. Those ways are not his ways. See, we really need to sometimes examine what we believe and why. So if we're looking inward, think about what you, what you believe and why. You know, why do you feel that you're inadequate? Why do you feel that you're not good enough? Why do you feel that you're not attractive enough? Or you're too big, or you're too little, or your hair's too long, or your hair's too short, or your beard's too straight, or your beard's too curly. Why, why do you think that way? That has been a planted 
seed or a planted thought. Sometimes planted by people we love and trust. And here's a newsflash for you, just in case you didn't know, most of you would, but people, no matter how well-intentioned and no matter how good they are, can be flawed. <laughs> There's a good chance. And, and it's not always intentional. Sometimes it's just plain ignorance that just don't know any better. And if we're not referencing the Scripture, if we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we're not conveying our, our, our meaning in love, right? how easily is it misunderstood or misinterpreted or taken altogether the wrong way? Now, here's, here's a statement that, that could be said. You know, we know the scripture, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So we might hear it said, I don't care. Well, there's a difference between I don't care in terms of I don't take ownership of that problem, as opposed to I don't care about what you're going through. But if you're not paying attention to what you're thinking or how you're listening to that, you can easily take offense to that. And I can flat out tell you standing here, people have taken offense to words that have been said from the pews, in the pews, and from the pulpit. But do we know what was said or the intent behind it? Or is it because of the lenses of experience that we are looking through. If we took um, a, a newsreel, you know, if there was, there would be such a thing, but let's just say we could take a 100-year-old newsreel and make it look like it was just yesterday, and you watch that from today's eyes, you would see something completely different than what was seen 100 years ago. If you look at our culture and look at what's acceptable today versus what was acceptable 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years ago. I mean, gentlemen, I remember, I, I remember growing up, you know, watching Gilligan's Island, right? And it was scandalous if the belly button was shown with, with uh, Marianne and uh, who was the other? Ginger, right? It was actually scandalous to show the midriff. Now... Look at what's going on on TV, let alone on social media and internet and other stuff. Look at how our dialogue has changed. Words that were, that were slang or fringe, you know, are now entered into the, they're actually part of the Oxford Dictionary. Things change. And, and the one thing that does not change is God does not change. His word does not change. His standards do not change. Sin is sin. It was sin. It is sin. Will always be sin. 
Here's the good news. Sin is not terminal unless you leave it untreated. There's a solution to sin. It's called repentance. Simple. The price is paid. Everything around us, the price is going up. The prices of things is nuts. But the cost of salvation hasn't changed. The cost of redemption hasn't changed. The ransom has been paid. The price has been paid in full, not with a balance left or balance owing, not with anything that we need to top up or add to. The price is paid. We need to accept it. And anytime we need to give ourselves a good knock on the head and say, hey, John, smarten up. Like, what are you thinking about? Look up from where your help comes from. You are redeemed. You are saved. There is no condemnation. So if you're feeling condemned, you're not thinking right. Now I'm talking to me, right? So I may be saying it out loud to you, but these are the thoughts that were going on in me. Because I was, you know, I can say, you know, I was sitting there and I was kind of having a bit of a pity party. It's like feeling, you know, like nothing's going right. Like nothing. Like everything all around seemed to be turning absolutely sideways and haywire. And it's like, but then I said, well, where, what, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you focusing on? You know, for all that's going on, I'm not sleeping on the street. Every morning when I go into work, I have three people that are actually sleeping outside under cardboard boxes beside one of our storage containers. Every morning, I slam the electrical room door just to wake them up and just ask them, say, okay, daytime, time to move along. But I, I don't want to be heartless or, or hard feeling towards them. These folks, these folks are, are up against it right now. Sometimes it's self-induced, but not always. There's a lot of people right now that are gainfully employed and working and can't afford a place to live. But by the grace of God, there go I. So what grounds do I have to be feeling sorry for myself? What grounds do I have to feel, feel inadequate about how much money I make or the car I drive or the place where I live? I have roof over my head. I have a car that I can drive. I have a loving wife and a loving family. I have an amazing church. I'm saved. I'm set free. What possible reason would I have to be miserable or complain or being downcast? Yet it happens. We're living in a culture where there's so many people that are dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression or dealing with sicknesses. And there's people with more sicknesses, with more different names, all of which, by the way, are under the blood of Jesus. The price has been paid. And we may even accept the price has been paid and still have to walk it out. Contrary to popular belief, not everything that happens is instant. We would all like it to be instant. I know I would like it to be instant. It's not a quick through. It's not a drive through. It's not an instant microwave, nuke, quote the scripture, boom, there it is. Now, praise the Lord, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is just like that. The prayer team, the elders, a group of people stand and believing with you, you quote the word and it happens. But it's not got anything to do 
with how you acted or how you behaved or whether you deserved it. Because here's, the, here's the, the other news is that if it's a gift, it's given. It means you can't earn it. Because if you earn it, it's not a gift. You've earned it. Like when you work for your employer and you put in your time, they gave you your paycheck. Some employers may look at you as they hand it to you and think they're giving you a gift. You earned it. Assuming you actually did. <laughs> I have to qualify that nowadays because I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that want to show up for the paycheck but don't actually want to do anything for it. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus loves us so much. Take everyone else out of the room for a minute and just look at you. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. He suffered for you. Not the you you're going to be. Hear me. The you right now. Right at the very moment when you're hearing this, whether you're hearing it live right now here in Bedford or whether you're hearing it live 20 years from now on the internet. You, right now, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. That ought to, that ought to get us stoked. John 3, 16 and 17 said, this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Did you catch that? Sometimes we read these and we read them by so fast. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. How many times do we feel judged? We sometimes judge ourselves and we're to a certain extent supposed to, but we're not supposed to judge. What does the judge do? Convicts or condemns, or quits. See, Jesus loves us so much, he endured the cross, death, burial for us, and was raised again, taking back the keys of death and hell. Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. 1 Peter 2.24 1 Peter 2.24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. Doesn't need to be refinished. <laughs> Doesn't need to be restored. It is finished. Jesus even says so here in John 19, verses 28 and on. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. 
And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Galatians 3, chapter 10, or chapter 3, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under the curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Lots of churches would tell you something different. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Let's read that again. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. I kind of alluded to it earlier. I'm going to read it now. Romans 5. Uh, no, let's go to Romans 12 first. And I'm going to do the first reading in King James. And Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Same scripture, uh, New Living. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if we're mixed up in the head, <laughs> renew your mind by reading the word by letting it soak in. Romans 5, so back a few pages, chapter, chapter 5, verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. So what is that? How are we made right with God? God's free gift. Even though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin, verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. 
Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, if you're still here, you're still breathing, you're still paying attention, I haven't lost anybody, it's not over. It's not over until we get to the destination. We're not done until the Lord says, we're done. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And again, I mentioned it earlier, not every road we walk on is clear without obstacles or obstructions or pitfalls. But Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In Psalm 37, verse 23, Psalm 37, 23, says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by hand. And I'm closing with this. The sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment you find yourself in, or that rut or that funk I mentioned earlier. We find ourselves looking inward or downward, but look not at the circumstance or the situation or the physical condition. Look up to where your help comes from and remember. Philippians 4.8 says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The final, final verses. Psalm 121. Psalm 121, verse 1. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. You want something good to think about? Think on those things. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.